cartoons, the animated frontier. These are the voyages of the Cellcast podcast. It's continuing mission to explore strange new cartoons, to seek out new animation styles and new creative storytelling methods, to boldly go where so few ever go again. Welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, well, he just, he, he's ready to go to war. Welcome, Jacob. Bring it on, man! <laughs> Wait, what am I fighting for? A girl? Yeah. Wrong Sounds movie. Like, wrong movie. <laughs> exactly wrong movie. <laughs> uh, why, thank you. Let me introduce our co-host, a man who... Just wants to party and lounge around like a raccoon dog. Welcome, Drew. What can I say? I like to be comfortable. That is true. That is so true. <laughs> How are you doing today, Jacob? Man, I'm doing well, minus getting scared out of my wits this morning. But that was fun. <laughs> that was funny. Good? Yeah, good. good. great great job, Patrick. Just saying. Revenge is sweet. Just saying. <laughs> and it's a dish best served cold. Exactly. Exactly. So how are you been doing? And it's very cold in February. That is true. <laughs> Especially if it's like this year. No. <laughs> Don't want that again. No uh, snow. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, it's just been a normal kind of a week. So outside of being very tired after Saturday night. Mm, oh, good night. Yes. We'll get to that in a minute. We will. Uh, so I guess go ahead and jump into it. What have you been watching? All right. So uh, I'm... Uh, continuing through watching uh, the original series MacGyver. And that is a really good series. There again, like I said in previous episodes, uh, MacGyver season one is kind of a mixed bag. It's got, be like, it's so good storytelling. You just don't know really where MacGyver's from. You just know he's a guy who can do anything. Basically, he can basically solve a problem through anything. And uh, in the second season, you get more of like, He's part of the Phoenix Foundation. He's got Pete, who's his boss slash buddy. And uh, it's just a really good series. Really, really good series. I'm enjoying it. And uh, I really need to pick up season three now. So other than that, uh, I am going to get internet uh, in November. November. Or starting in November. <laughs> slow cap. Slow clap. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all night. Uh, yeah, like it is November, so you got four weeks. I got four weeks. So that is the plan. We will get uh, internet in November. Um, but other than that, that is all I've been watching, minus The Promise. Yes, we did go to see The Promise uh, with our singles group. Yes. And it's about a four-hour drive from here. Roughly. Uh, if, you're wondering where, four. if you're wondering where that's it, it's in uh, Glen, Rose. Glen Rose, Texas. Yeah. Uh, for us, that's a four... Three to four hour Three drive. To four hour drive from here, and then driving. Okay, so if you're back. going, if you're going by the night trip, which was more direct, yes, but ironically Minus. also technically farther because of how far up we had to go and then back down. It's about four hours. Thank you, Bucky's. <laughs> that was not my decision. <laughs> I have nothing against Bucky's. Do no, Bucky's is great. Bucky's is great. Problem is. Ain't a Bucky's directly between here and there. No, because you literally go well, your actually, way to get Bucky's. There might be. 
There might be. There might be. Because remember, there was that one we saw the sign for on 45. Right. That was probably just a little bit north of where we would have gotten on to 45 if we'd taken the exact same road back. That is true. But we didn't do that. No, we didn't. Because <laughs> I didn't want to try anything when I didn't, when I was in the middle of the night. Right. But anyway. So yeah, we went to the promise, which if you don't know what the promise is, it's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's done very in a musical. Well. In a musical. We've, I've seen it probably like six times already. This was my third. Yeah. Really good show. If you want to go see it, go check it out. This was the last performance we went to. And uh, they'll be doing like a special in December, I believe. Yeah, but we'll have to miss it. Yeah. Because that weekend is already too busy. That is true. That is so true. <laughs> For us. So, yes. So be like, yeah, they'll start back, I think, in what? October? No. No. I in think August. it's like August. Yeah, August of next year. So go check them out. Uh, yeah. It's pr- Glen Rose. The, the prom- Promise. Just Google Promise at Glen Rose. You'll yeah, find it. You'll find it. It's worth it. Um, if it feels like you're driving into the middle of nowhere, there's a good reason for that. You kind of ex- are. You're, you're driving. <laughs> but in, it's over there by uh, Dinosaur Valley State Parks so if you want to go look at the Which is a good fossils. place to go, which is really cool. And then. Look at the dinosaur footprints. Been there. <laughs> see the uh, statue of uh, Littlefoot's mom that's technically inaccurate because that dinosaur never existed. True. In actuality. <laughs> True. Poor little foot. He never existed. <laughs> oh, wow. That just brings out a lot of really. Yeah, we've already reviewed that movie. <laughs> we already we've reviewed already reviewed it. it. So go check go uh, go check out that episode. So, yes, that uh, pleasant episode oh I just brought God. up. Yeah. Ouch. Uh. So yes, and then we got back. What at like three thirty in the morning? Three. Three o'clock it in the was morning. Three o'clock on when Sunday. I, when I pulled when I, when I laid down in in my bed. Mm-hmm. But I, from my understanding, you couldn't go to bed immediately. No, because we apparently... I, I don't know how I missed this, because we, we are not far from each other. Yeah, we're, we're two buildings apart. Right. And I guess I just didn't look over at the yard in front of your building at that time of night. <laughs> right. Because I was more worried about, I need to get to bed before I fall asleep in the middle of the yard. <laughs> that would have been interesting to wake up to and be like, Drew, why are you sleeping in the yard? What's going on? Dude, the crazy thing is, you you were had parked and were walking towards your building. I know this because I saw you when I was getting the ice chest out of the back of my mm-hmm. truck. I saw you too. Yeah. And so you would have seen me fall over. Yes, I would have. And I ran and to your assistance. Yes. It's, and, and all you and all it'd be, be would just be laying there going. Oh. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Once I've been told, I once told somebody to shut up. And, and also, you, apparently, you kicked a cat. No, I kicked the cat because he bit my toe in the middle of the night because he decided my toes were for hunting. Uh, so what I'm re- what, what Drew's referring to? Apparently, there was a main water line that broke in front of my apartment in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night at three in the morning. So I walk up there and be like, "That's not good." So I call the apartment managers. Gee, there's a lot of mud out here. A lot of mud. Especially since it hasn't rained. That's true. In five days. Roughly. So I have to call, I, I call the, the people that you call for maintenance. Obviously, I get a phone. I get, they call them. They have to call the city. And I give them the morning. Thankfully, I can take a shower. They shut our water off. And uh, yeah, that was fun for a couple of hours and. Yes. And so went to church. 
Came uh, home. Came no, home. No water. No water. And then I crashed. Same here. I didn't wake up until like four o'clock or get I, out of bed until four. I was, I, when I, when, here's the thing. I don't normally take naps voluntarily. Me either. I didn't intend to fall asleep because my thought was I need to stay up so that when 10 o'clock comes around and it's time to go to bed, I will go to sleep. Because if I sleep too much during the day, I'm going to have a late night and that's just not good for nobody. No. But I did kind of take, I did have one of those, you know, you're laying back comfortable and all of a sudden it's 15 minutes later. (laughs) (laughs) And wake. When did I fall asleep? Crud, now I have to back up Pompoco. (laughs) No, actually I'd already walked that over to your place. Right. You did. I actually walked, I actually walked up to my door and there's Pompoko sitting on my little table, sitting in front of my door. Well, I was where like, else Thank was you, I going to put it? You weren't home yet when I dropped it off. That is true. Because despite the fact you weren't locking up the church, I still got home before you. You did. I'm guessing you had gone somewhere to get something to eat. No, I didn't actually. I didn't eat, I didn't eat lunch that day. But either way, either way, so that's the, uh, that's the story of that. And um, yes. yeah, that was a long Sunday. That was a long Saturday. So the weekend was very full, very blessing, mm-hmm. but very tiring at the exact same time. Indeed. So what have you been watching, Drew? A fat lot of nothing. Okay. <laughs> if we're okay. being honest. Okay. No, no, I, I have watched a couple things. Uh, just nothing. I've been on YouTube a lot mm. lately, and I yeah. can't tell you why. It's just there's nothing. Anytime I switch on the normal television, it's like, I don't really want to watch this. This is, I'm just not in the mood for this. Hmm. That sort of thing. I got you. So I happened to be on YouTube actually earlier today. And I watched, I saw a video called uh, Opening My Heart to Sonic Adventure. Okay. Those of you who remember Sonic Saturdays, I uh, did a, I streamed that game back in September. Okay. August. I think it was August. Okay. Anyway, uh, I don't remember who the guy was who did the YouTube video. So, you know, it does me a fat lot of good trying to tell people about this video I watched. I can't even point you to him. But um, he did actually a very decent retrospective on all of Sonic Adventure 1. And I appreciated his thoughts. It wasn't just, this game sucks and it sucks hard because everyone says it sucks and I'm not running fast as much as I'd like to. What's the point of these other five characters? All I want to do is play as Sonic. Blah, 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 blah. Right. That's not the point of the game. (laughs) Pardon me. I know Big the Cat's annoying people, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so speaking of YouTube, like normally when I watch YouTube, either I'm watching something historical because I'm Mm -hmm. a a history nut. I'm an amateur historical nut. So I watched something either either Roman, either Roman history, which I love, either it's Republican, Republic, of, or Empire. There was a lot of, of YouTube cameras available around the time of the Roman Empire. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Be like, yeah, you should just watch one about Nero just being a nut for three hours. That was great. But no, no, no. Be like, yeah, I just love watching history. Uh, history, I'll watch things over uh, video games, that kind of stuff. Uh, I watched a couple others. Mostly it's just been me getting... Reacquainting uh, myself with the story of Final Fantasy XIV so far because it's a lot of story to go through and it's probably been a couple years and I'm trying to get caught up before Endwalker comes out in two weeks. So, yeah. Hmm. Really, that's about all I've been watching. Yes. So, 
Jacob, what do we got in the news? Okay. So, last week, for those listeners and watchers, uh, last week, basically, there was no news to be told, right? Until Wednesday. Until Wednesday. <laughs> and then night. everything dropped. Like, yeah. couldn't, couldn't you drop this on Monday instead of Wednesday? At least. I understand least why you were in the middle up. of it. Exactly. All right. So, going into the news, and there's quite a bit of news. Let's say I've got four articles of news. All right. So, um, so as most of us, we've, we've reported that Illumination uh, is doing the new Mario movie for Nintendo. Yes. And Super so, Mario Brothers. This is the closest we've got to a name so far. Yeah. And so Chris Pratt is doing the lead voice for Mario. So to me, you know that uh, Mario was Japanese in origin, right? He's not Italian. He's Japanese. Yeah. Because Mario was his last name. Yeah. You know what his first name is? Plumber. It's to me. Serious? It's me, Mario. I'm joking here. I know that. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? It's me, Mario. <laughs> I saw this on a meme. Moving on. This joke died. All right. So Chris Pratt, because everyone knows, he's from uh, Parks and Rec. Uh, and Gar- Guardians of the, of the Galaxy, Galaxy Jurassic, Jurassic World. World. And uh, so now he will be playing, um, uh, playing a very orange, orange cat. <laughs> As you can tell right over here. Wow. Just put him to sleep. Oh, okay. That sounds uh, bad. So, <laughs> so apparently he'll be uh, taking over the the uh, the 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 vocal performance of Jim Taylor's or Jim Davis's famous feline Garfield for the new animation feature from uh, Alcon Entertainment. We don't mm. we we don't have a release date at all. This was just released, so yeah, so Chris Pat is now playing Mario and Garfield. That's going to be such a weird connection. Agreed. Completely agreed. So, uh, moving forward. Uh, iconic uh, events. Okay, so we did a reaction to this film earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mitchells vs. the Machines. Yes. Uh, if you want to go listen to that reaction, you can go listen, to, uh, go find that episode on your favorite podcast directory, or you can watch it on YouTube. So ever, and like everybody knows, or you can go back far enough in Facebook and find it. Exactly. Or because everyone knows it didn't get released to theaters because due, due to COVID, but finally it's being released to uh, theaters starting on November 21st, uh, November correction, November 20th and 21st. So it's a limited release. So if you want, if you finally going to watch what the whole big deal of this the movie, the movie which was intended to be at releasing theaters, and see that enormous Furby in all its glory, <laughs> <laughs> go check it out if you want to, and let us know what you think. I don't know. I I might go see it. I don't know. It just depends I, on where it's I'm released. I'm not gonna get in a hurry. Okay. All right. There might be other limited edition things I'd prefer seeing. All right. So one of the big ones that had been rumored going around for quite a, quite some time uh was this movie uh Lightyear from uh Pixar which yes. is which is a predecessor to the creation of Buzz Lightyear. Uh well so, it's the it's the uh it would be the movie that the toy and toy story would be based yeah, on. Yeah, based on. So it's it's more like a realistic or take. The reimagining of that. Anyway. All right, so a brand new live action trailer and official imagery has launched from Disney and Pixar for the uh, anime feature Lightyear, 
which will blast off in the theaters June 7th, 2022, uh, which will introduce the legendary Space Ranger who would win a generation of fans, also known as Buzz Lightyear. Uh, he's also being voiced by Chris Evans, Evans from Captain America, which is good g- choice. Good choice. I would agree. It's just more. How is that going to is like, is he going to do more his cat voice with a little bit of Tim Allen or what is it? I'm just, It'll I'm be in, interesting. I yeah. Kinda, I kind of want him to have a little bit of Tim Allen ish mm-hmm. uh, things. Yeah. Because. If this is how it's going to work, then that means that Tim Allen was the toy knockoff voice they chose for the toy. Yeah, or at least the closest replica they could do was a Tim Allen voice. Right. So I kind of want there to be some amount of... I, I kind of want... I don't want an exact yeah. um, recreation of the Buzz Lightyear toy. Because mm-hmm. that wouldn't make much sense. No, because this but is I, an I, actual I character. It's like similar. Exactly. So, uh, yes, they'll be released in theaters, hopefully, because they're already, they're already predicting things with COVID and hoping for 2020. Please just stick to it. That's all I'm saying, Disney. Disney, Pixar, just please stick to your date. Please don't change they it. should. Yeah, just keep it. I Thank mean, you. I see no reason why they would change it at this point. Yeah, well, they've had a tendency of just throwing and Pixar films into Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Yeah, but that was after they said all our films are coming to theaters first now. That is true. That is that so before true. Before that, so. That is true. So, either way, it's coming, uh, where was that? June 17th, 2022. So, go, you know, get forward to, look, look forward to that. Comment down below what you thought of the trailer. And, lastly, which I was super excited about. All right. Uh, Netflix unleashed the power packed trailer for masters universe revelation part two, uh, the thrilling conclusion, the epic animated Mattel series. Uh, this, uh, obviously is he man masters universe, the continuation, uh, from part one, which was really good. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I know some people who loved it. I'm the kind of, I was in the camp that I loved this thing. It was great. Great storytelling. Uh, there again, if you have not watched it, don't listen to people's opinions about it. Just go watch it. To me, it was really good. I enjoyed the stories, enjoyed the characters, where they were going, and a lot of revelations were being told, which is really good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, go watch it. Have your own opinion. Be objective about it and just watch it. So Always go form your opinion first and check out the opinions of others. Exactly. So you have your own opinion. Including us. Exactly. About this film, too. All right, so it'll be released uh, November 22nd. Uh, it'll, be, uh, uh, it'll be released in five episodes because the I believe the first one was eight episodes, eight or nine, so it's going to be a lot shorter. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I know a lot of people are criticizing it already, saying it's a bait and switch, uh, like they said with the first one, the first part. So either way, go watch it November. Have your own opinions. And discuss it. And now, granted, if you're someone like Drew, who really doesn't have a connection with Masters of the Universe like I do. I ain't going to be in a big hurry. Exactly. <laughs> I may not watch it at all. I'll, I'm all not being it, mean. I just may not go watch it at all because there's too much to watch as it is. That is true. 
But they were. I mean, they did just release the trailer for Book of Fett coming out at the end of the year. So uh, yeah, and I saw and that. Hawkeye is coming out. So I, my plate, my streaming plate is full. That is true. So what did you think about the uh, the the Book of? Uh, <laughs> it's gonna Book be good. <laughs> That's what I thought. Unfortunately, now you're spoiled. Yeah. For the end of Mandalorian. Thanks. <laughs> you. That is your own stinking fault. I completely agree. I completely. ain't talking about because you didn't have internet. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about because in January last year, yeah. New Year's Eve, we, me, and Chase, and Little Joseph, as we have to call him to separate him from Big Joseph, <laughs> right? watched all the entire season in one night. Wow. You were invited. I Guess agree. what you didn't do? <laughs> that is you true. You did not come. I agree. That was my own fault. You loser. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I admit it. Either either way, I so it's I, your own fault that you yes, know Boba Fett's already at the end of Mandalorian. Yes, I'm I'm aware of this. <laughs> There's another thing, but I'm not going to tell him that. Thank you. Like, Thank you. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is all the end of the news. Finally, we have news. Thank you. <laughs> all right, so that's all the end of the news. All right, so we need now we need to switch into the spoiler-free section yes. of our review of Pom Poco. Uh, I wanted to throw something in here uh, different for this movie than we normally do because Pom Poco is based on a lot of Japanese folklore. Yes. Japanese thoughts and ways of going about things are entirely different from us Americans. Yeah. So while I do believe that this is meant to be a children's movie. Yeah. It's culturally where it's different culturals cultures. I can't suggest kids go and watch it from over here because you have to explain pouches of pouches. Yes. Because this movie deals with, what, what they call tanukis. Mm-hmm. We think of them as raccoons, but the word over there specifically is tanuki. Mm-hmm. And tanuki, male tanukis are known for their, in folklore, mm-hmm. their transformation abilities, which are powered by their mm-hmm. pouches. Jeez. If you take get our- that, take with that what you will. Mm-hmm. That's as far as I want to go into talking about that. Yes. Although it may come up here in a little bit when we get into the, uh, things, but if as, if you are wanting to use this as a movie to help to to, to expose your children to more culturally diverse methods, mm-hmm. you may want to watch it first because yes. you're gonna they have a lot. do not shy away from <laughs> some of the main things about these Tanukis. That is true. And that's the easiest way I can talk about that without spoiling what's coming. That is true. Other than that, I actually really enjoy this movie. Okay. It's uh, it's a fun little, it, it's a kind of a documentary war story it does. kind of a thing. I agree. That I highly appreciated how, how it was done. It's got a bit of an environmental message, but it doesn't mm-hmm. hit you over the head with it. Uh, and it's, Based on actual locations and technically some actual events, even though the events didn't happen exactly this yeah. way. But it is based on, you know, I, it, is, it is based on real things. So, uh, and it's based on folklore. 
So, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting movie. It's very well done. Mm-hmm. There's just some things that, from a from the point of view of a American, I kind of wish they hadn't done. <laughs> but I also don't know how you get around it. So, no. <laughs> do with that what you will. Exactly. What are your thoughts? Uh, this was my first time watching this film. And uh, Drew had warned me ahead of time what was going on. It's like, oh, okay. Wow. That's just be like, okay. Yeah, it's I, a lot worse than I even told you. Yes. Yes, you did. Uh, so understanding, you know, it's a cultural thing from Japan. Uh, so understanding that it's just a little bit weird coming from American, from American perspective. Uh, I, I love the story. The story is great. It's a great, like, like Drew said, kind of like a documentary or uh, civilization clash mm-hmm. story. And it's told very well. It's the, towards the end, it gets a, a little mixed up a little, a little mixy, a little bit, a little, not dicey, but mixy. I'm just using the word mixy. Yeah. Uh, and like, it gets a little depressing too. Oh, it gets very honest. depressing at the very end. It's, it's, it's not one of those so-called happy ending movies. Well, Cause that's the thing is to some degree, well, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to get into that because yeah. that's spoiler territory. Exactly. But despite some of the successes of the raccoons, mm-hmm. uh, let's face it. You look at Google Maps at Tama Hills, and you can tell they lost. Yeah, pretty much. Because <laughs> I actually went and looked at this on Google Maps. Really? It's like, oh yeah, there is no forest around there anymore. <laughs> not for at least another you know twenty miles. <laughs> Till we get to the edge of Tokyo proper. Right. Uh, but yeah. Great movie. Completely. I mean, like it's a great movie. Very well told. Animation wise. Very well done. Definitely. Uh, Studio Ghibli. You know. Knocks out of the park. Animation wise. Like the normal do. Mm-hmm. Story. Story wise. Would I recommend it to small children? No. I wouldn't. Uh, definitely with the subject matter. Unless you're. Again, a parent, yes. if you're more inclined, watch it beforehand because then you're going to get hit with a thousand questions. What do they mean by this? Yeah. What do they mean by this? Because and children are generally curious. They don't know things, so they want to know these things. Yes. And let's face it, there's some things that it's just painfully obvious. Yes. <laughs> Especially later in the film. Yes. Yes, completely agree. So, but anyway. Yeah, so... It's a family friendly, ish, ish. It's family ish. Because I mean, it's outside of what we're the thing we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It is fairly friendly, family. Yeah, friendly. it's it's very family friendly. It's it very, does get dark. It's a, it gets dark, but nothing any worse than like say Pink Elephants on Parade. That is true. In yeah, in it's honesty. it's it has you know war elements. It has yeah. you know. Uh, Hey, it does moments, not. Yeah. It does not get Grave of the Fireflies dark. No, no, it, it does doesn't. not get anywhere near that dark. But I mean, it does. It does get like we said, depressing near the end. Yes, it does. But yeah. Anyway, I think we've pretty much said all we can mm-hmm. without actually ju- going into the spoilers. So mm-hmm. why don't we hit the intermission and uh, we'll get to spoiling this thing. Don't forget that you can download. Download? Don't forget that you can't. Don't forget 
that you can listen to us record the podcast live every Tuesday over on our Facebook page, The Cellcast, our uh, Twitch channel, The Cellcast Gaming, and on YouTube at Cellcast. Also, don't forget to join our Patreon if you would like to support us monetarily. At $1, you'll get our everlasting thanks. At at our $5 tier, you can get some artwork from Jacob. And on our $10 tier, you can get bloopers for every for, for every episode we've released that I've remembered to release them for. And you can get commentaries from different movies. So come check us out over there if you would like to support us financially. Every other week, join the Retro Rewind Pod as they travel back 15 or more years along the entertainment space-time continuum in their mission to review movies and games establishing what is still worth your time today. Expect fun banter and trivial insights from Francisco and Paul, the Master Interrupter Powers, and rotating guest hosts who are all out of time. Do you like Star Wars? I don't just mean the original trilogy. Along with that, I mean the prequels, the sequels, the anthologies, the animated shows, and of course, (laughs) who doesn't like Baby Yoda? Well, if you've been in the fandom for any length of time, you know how toxic the fandom can get. And if you'd like to be able to discuss a galaxy far, far away in a much more positive light, might I suggest searching out The Outer Rim, a Facebook group dedicated to all of Star Wars, and check out their YouTube channel, which you can easily find at Pop Americana, which the podcast you're currently listening to is also a part of. To find that and more, check out the link in the description. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Palm Poco. Listener discretion is advised. And of course I just thought of something after I hit all that. That I know is not in here, but I need to look it up right quick. Okay. Yoink. <laughs> Over here. Open another tab. saw it on the Ghibli wiki. Ghibli. Ghibli. Ghibli, Ghibli, whatever. Alright. Palm Poco, or as it's known in in Japanese, Heisei Tanuki Gassen Pan Poco, which literally means Heisei Era Raccoon Dog War Palm Poco. Makes sense. Yeah. What? Uh, was directed by Aisao Takahata, who also directed Grave of the Fireflies and Only Yesterday. Such good choices. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that they are bad, it's just we didn't like them. Nope. Uh, Believe it or not, this is actually based on an idea by Hayao Miyazaki. Really? It was apparently his concept. Huh, okay. Interesting. Getting into the cast for the English dub of the movie, mm-hmm. we got Jonathan Taylor Thomas as Shokichi. Mm-hmm. He's, of course, known for playing Randy Taylor in Home Improvement. Arr, arr, arr. Clancy Brown as Gonta. And in SpongeBob SquarePants, he is Mr. Krabs. But this goober over here knows him better as Lex Luthor in Superman the Animated Series. Yes. J.K. Simmons was the voice of Sazayamon. Uh, he voiced, he was, of course, J. Jonah Jameson in now 
four Spider-Man movies, possibly probably five. Parker, get in here. When No Way Home comes out. Yes. Uh, then you got Tress McNeil playing Oroku. And she is, of course, most famous for playing Princess Angelina, Contessa Louisa, Francesca, Banana, Banana, Bobesca, the third. But you know her as Dot in, yes. in the Animaniacs. The Yaks. <laughs> Kevin Michael Richardson was the voice of Bunta and the Wonderland president. Mm-hmm. And in one of your favorite movies of all time, Lilo and Stitch, he played Captain Gantu. John DiMaggio was the voice of Ryutaro. And, of course, he played Bender Bending Rodriguez in Futurama. Mm. I have to say the full name because I find it hilarious. Because literally Bending is his middle name. Bending. Bender. Yeah. Andre Stolchka was the voice of Osho. And in The Emperor's New Groove, she played, uh, he played Topo. Mm. Wrong letter! Brian Potion played Hayashi. And in the movie Surf's Up, he played a character named Glenn Maverick. That's a movie I have not seen yet. That's the Surfing Penguin movie. I know that. <laughs> it is interesting. <laughs> we'll, we'll say. We'll review it eventually. eventually. Wally Kurth was the voice of Tomasaburo. And in the uh, daytime soap opera Days of Our Lives, he played a character named Justin Kyriakis. Huh. Okay. Olivia Dabo played Koharu, and in Star Wars The Clone Wars, she played Luminara Unduli. Hmm. The Force is strong with this one. Brian George was the voice of Kincho and Hage, and in Batman The Killing Joke, he played Alfred. <laughs> Jess Harnell was the voice of Gyobu, and he played one of the other, one of the actual Warner Brothers. Uh, Wacko in Animaniacs. Wow. Oh. David Oliver Cohen was the voice of Ponkichi, and he played he's he's played a uh, Kip Lonigan in the soap opera As the World Turns. A lot of soap operas today. Yeah. Uh, Jillian Bowen was the voice of Keo, and she played Lori in King of the Hill, that cartoon that mm-hmm. you probably never watched. Nope. The Texas anime. Yes. Texas anime. That's what I've heard it called. Because mm. apparently Japan loves it. Okay. They have the same problem we sometimes have with anime. They, they say the English version is better than the Japanese dub. Okay. That's just a weird thought process. That is a very weird process. Uh, Russie Taylor was the voice of Otama. And of course she played Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Webby. In DuckTales. Woo! Mark Donato played Sasuke, and in something called Degrassi The Next Generation, he played Derek Haig. Okay. I don't even know what that is, other than I think it's a Canadian Saved by the Bell ripoff. Mm, okay. I think. Mm. Last but not least, Maurice LaMarche was the voice of the narrator, and he is most known, at least to me, for playing the brain in Pinky and the Brain. Are you pondering what I'm pondering, Jacob? No, Bray, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's not how this joke goes. <laughs> but let's move on. Kingdom Hearts Connections. Allison Stoner, who was additional voices in Pompoko, is also the voice of Kyrie and Shion in Kingdom Hearts after Hayden Panettiere left, left the games. Mm. 
John DiMaggio, who was a Ryutaro, is the voice of one of the uh, zombies in the Pirates of the Caribbean level, apparently named Jacoby. Okay. Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who was Shokichi, is the voice of young Simba in Kingdom Hearts 2 via archived audio. Huh. You'll have to find out once we ever get back to those games and we get there. <laughs> how that hand how that was handled. Kevin Michael Richardson was a Bunta here. Mm-hmm. And as I said earlier, he is the voice of Captain Gontu, also in Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. He also voiced Sebastian and Blackguard A, whoever mm. that is. Tress McNeil, who was the voice of Oroku here. In Kingdom Hearts, is voice, it also voices Chip, the Queen of Hearts, Meriwether, Daisy Duck, and Kanga. Hmm. Brian George, who was the voice of Kinsho and Hage, is the voice of he- Captain Hector Barbosa in Kingdom Hearts. Arr. Jeff Bennett, whose additional voices here, is also the voice of Merlin, Large Beagle Boy, Small Beagle Boy, Geppetto, Mr. Smee, Bashful, Lumiere, Beryl, the ma- and the mayor of Halloween Town in Kingdom Hearts. Jess Harnell, who's Gyobu here, is uh, Dr. Finkelstein and Locke in Kingdom Hearts. Audrey Wasilewski was additional voices here, and Turk in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Rusty Taylor, who was Otama here, was... Huey, Dewey, Louie, Fairy Godmother, and Fauna, and of course, Queen Minnie Mouse in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, boy. And that's the end of... Well, let me rephrase. That's not all the Kingdom Hearts connections. That's where I stopped, because (laughs) the list was getting longer than the cast list. Wow. So, uh, Josh, I wouldn't say it's the most connections ever. I think we had one that was a bit longer yeah. because the entire voice cast reprised their roles in that one. But this is, I'd say, the most where it's not the same movie being shown in Kingdom Hearts. I gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, what do we got in info and stuff? All right, so info and stuff. Uh, uh, if you want to watch Pompoko, you can go to HBO Max if you're a subscriber there. Um uh, on IMDb, it has a 7.3 out of 10. Uh, production was obviously Studio Ghibli. It was distributed by Toho uh, in Japan. In America, it was originally released by Walt Disney Studio Home Entertainment and then later by G-Kids. Mm-hmm. All right, release date. In Japan, it was released on July 16th, 1994 and in the United States in August 16th, 2005. So box office, it's original box office in Japan. It had, it earned it and earned an estimated one, uh, 4.47 yen billion yen. I'm sorry. That's up with a B billion yen. So conversion. Thank you, Drew, for doing conversion for me. Uh, three it's just searching on Google. That is true. So that might not be exactly accurate. Yeah. Ball the time. But parking anyway. here. All right. Uh, three, uh, 39, Point million dollars. Yeah, that's pretty significant. All right, so it's U.S. release. Uh, its opening weekend was $107,000 on June 17th, 19, or 2018. 
Uh, its U.S. Canadian gross was $372,000. Uh, its worldwide gross was $1.2 million. Its home release, the film was released in Japan, in, like I said before, in July 16th, 1994. It was released on DVD on August released here in the United States on, uh, like I said before, on August 16th, 2005 in North America from the Walt Disney Studios Home Entertainment along with My Neighbors, the Yachuas. Am I saying that right? Was what now? Uh, my Neighbors, the... Yamadas. Y- Yamadas. I knew I was going to say that wrong. I apologize. Um, we'll figure it out later in the yeah. month. Yeah, we're working on it. Uh, it's a movie coming up. Yeah. Uh, it was released. Uh, it was also released in the UK a year later. Uh, released the Blu-ray of it in 2015. G Kids uh, reissued the film on DVD and Blu-ray on February 6th, 2018, under a new, under a new title with Studio Ghibli. So yes. that's all the info and stuff I have. There's no sequel to this film. So yeah, that's all the info and stuff we have. Getting into the summary, the story begins in the late 1960s Japan. A group of Tanuki are threatened by a gigantic suburban development project called New Tama in the Tama Hills on the outskirts of Tokyo. The development is cutting into their forest habitat and dividing their land. The story resumes in early 1990s Japan during the early years of the Heisei era. With limited living space and food decreasing every year, the Tanuki begin fighting amongst themselves for the diminishing resources. But at the ur- urging of the matriarch Oroku, they decide to unify to stop the development. Several Tanuki lead the resistance, including the aggressive chief Gonta, the old guru Sazayaman, the wise woman Oroku, and the young and resourceful Shokuchi. Using their illusion skills, which they must relearn after having forgotten them, they stage a number of diversions, including industrial sabotage. They attack, injure, and even kill people, frightening construction workers into quitting, but most workers immediately replace them. In desperation, the Tanuki send out messengers to help from various legendary elders from other regions. After several years, one of the messengers returns, bringing a trio of elders from the distant island of Shikoku, where development is not a problem and the Tanuki are still worshipped. In an effort to reestablish respect for the supernatural, the group stages a massive ghost parade to make the humans think the town is haunted. The strain of massive illusion kills one of the elders and his spirit is lifted up in a rigo and the effort seems wasted when the owner of a nearby theme park takes credit for the parade, claiming it was a publicity stunt. With the setback, the unity of the Tanuki finally fails and they break up into smaller groups, each following a different strategy. One group, led by Ganta, takes the route of eco-terrorism, holding off workers until they are wiped out in a pitched battle with the police, and finally fused into the form of a Tsurube Otoshi, I probably said that wrong, uh, killed, blocking the path of an oncoming Deco Tora. Can you tell I got this off of Wikipedia, people? <laughs> Another group desperately attempts to gain media attention through television appearances to plead their case against the habitat's destruction. One of the elders becomes senile and starts a Buddhist dancing cult among the Tanuki who are unable to transform, eventually sailing away with them in a ship that takes them to their deaths. While the other elder investigates joining the human world as the last of the transforming kitsune, or foxes, have already done. When all else fails in a last act of defiance, the remaining tanuki 
stage a grand illusion, temporarily transforming the urbanized land back into its pristine state to remind everyone of what had been lost. Finally, with their strength exhausted, the Tanuki most trained in illusion follow the example of the Kitsune. They blend into human society one by one, abandoning those who cannot transform, while the media appeal comes too late to stop the construction. The public responds sympathetically to the Tanuki, pushing the developers to set aside some areas as parks. However, the parks are too small to accommodate all the non-transforming Tanuki. Some try to survive there, dodging traffic to rummage through the human scraps for food, while others disperse farther out to the countryside to compete with the Tanuki who are already there. One day, Shokuchi, who also joined the human world, is coming home from work when he sees a non-transformed Tanuki leap into a gap in a wall. Shokuchi crawls into the gap and follows the path, which leads to a grassy clearing where some of his former companions are gathering. He joyfully transforms back into a Tanuki to join them. Shokuchi's friend, Ponkichi, addresses the viewer, asking humans to be more considerate of Tanuki and other animals less endowed with transformation skills and not to destroy their living space. As the view pulls out and away, their surroundings are revealed to be a, revealed as a golf course within the subterranean sprawl. So, the trivia for this one that I got is purely related around all of the Japanese references that obviously we as Americans did not get. Okay, far But I had to look it up as I was curious. So first off, the name, Pompoko. Okay. You want to take a wild guess as to what a Pompoko is. I was trying to make some goofy reference to, like, Tennis? Bum, boom, go, boom, go. Well, you are right in that it kind of is an onomatopoeia. Okay. But the onomatopoeia is the sound of a raccoon hitting its stomach in time to a military march. Oh. So it's kind of a pom poco. Pom poco. That kind of a thing. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That's where the title comes from. Oh, That's okay. That's why it's called the, throughout the film, they refer to it as the pom poco era because it's during the Raccoon War. War, yeah. That technically that makes started sense. in the 60s. That makes sense. But came to them fighting each other, fighting the humans in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Ultimately failing. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. alert. I don't know why I'm spoiling it. I'm, I'm saying spoiler alert. We already said that. Yes. Um, Tanuki in Japanese folklore are mischievous, lazy, cheerful and gullible creatures who use their supernatural shape-shifting powers to trick humans. It is often said that a tanuki would put a leaf on top of their head and chant in order to change its form into anything. For example, a monk. They are also said to try and con humans with leaves turned into banknotes, although Oroku prohibits them from doing this in the film. Statues of tanuki can be seen everywhere in Japan, especially in temples and shrines, and often holding a barrel of sake. The uh, Tanuki statue that they transform into when they're talking to the news crew Mm -hmm. is an example of that. In fact, that's a very good example of that. Okay. And also, if you remember, they did, at one point when they were learning how to transform, one of them did ask, don't you have to use a leaf for this? Yeah. And she said, only if you're not trained very well or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Consistent with the Japanese folklore, the Tanuki are portrayed as highly sociable, mischievous species able to use illusions to transform into almost anything, but too fun-loving and too fond of tasty treats to be a real threat, unlike the kitsune and other shapeshifters. Visually, the tanuki in the film are depicted in three 
ways at various times, as realistic animals, as anthropomorphic animals, mm -hmm. while occasionally wearing clothes, and as cartoony figures based on the manga of Shigeru Sugiara, of whom Takahata was a great fan of. I was wondering about that. They tend to assume their realistic form in view of humans, their cartoony form when they're doing anything outlandish or whimsical, and their anthropomorphic form at all other times. Uh, in folklore, foxes are also supernatural creatures known as kitsune, with the ability to transform themselves into human form. Mm -hmm. However, in contrast to the absent-minded tanuki, kitsune are usually portrayed as more witty, cunning, and sometimes malicious. Kitsune are also messengers of, or sometimes uses depictions of, Inari, the Shinto god of rice. In the film, a tanuki manages to terrify the humans, planning to move a shrine by appearing as a white fox. Statues of Kitsune mark the estimated 30,000 to 40,000 outdoor Inari shrines scattered throughout Japan. The stone statues which the Tanukis turn into are those of Jizo, the protective deity of travelers. Hmm. People and people condemned to hell <laughs> and the souls of the stillborn, miscarried and aborted fetuses. Ain't that lovely? Wow, okay. The roadside statues are a common sight in Japan. Okay. Most of the characters in the Monster Parade are yokai, creatures from Japanese folklore. However, some of the characters are from other Ghibli films that make cameos there, including Kiki from Kiki's Delivery Service, mm. Teiko Okajima from Only Yesterday, Porco Rosso from Porco Rosso, and Totoro from My Neighbor Totoro. Among the yokai references in the film include a retelling of a story called The Mujina of the Akasaka Road, which features a nopera bow, a woman with no face. There is also a tribute to the director Akira Kurosawa with a brief appearance of a fox's wedding, very similar to that which occurs in the Sunshine Through the Rain episode of his film Dreams. Hmm. The songs which appear in the film are Japanese children's songs with some change in lyrics for effect. Some of them are repeated with different lyrics over the course of the film, and some of them are known as... Warabe Uta songs, which are sung as part of traditional children's games, often with lyrics incomprehensible to modern Japanese. The melancholic electronic melodies, which many Japanese pedestrian crossings play, a short clip of which appears in the film, is a famous Warabe Uta. Among the songs which appear include Shoujo Ji no Tanuki Bayashi, or the Tanuki Party at Shoujo Ji Temple a popular song written in the 1920s based on a Japanese fairy tale, Anta Gata Dokosa, Where Is Your Home, a traditional warabe uta sung by children while bouncing a ball. And uh, in keeping with Japanese folklore, the original Japanese version of Pompoko makes numerous references to raccoon pouches in song, conversation, and in relation to transformation. All of these references were removed from the English dub, but are included in full on the English language subtitle track of the DVD. I wonder why. Yeah. Like I said, Pompoko is a word for the sound of a tanuki tsutsumi or tanuki drum. According to Japanese legends, a tanuki would inflate its belly and beat upon it with its paws to scare wayfarers with a panpoko panpoko pan sound. Mm. Real tanuki are cited in urban areas off, more often in recent years. This is blamed mainly on the destruction of their natural forest habitat by development projects like the one shown in this film. 
Tama Hills is a vast area of gentle hills spanning two prefectures and many towns and cities on the southwestern flank of Tokyo. Most of it is a patchwork of modern suburbia and hilly forests. Uh, New Tama, where the film is set, is a real residential development project and is Japan's largest, built in several phases starting in the 1960s, spanning the cities of Tama, Machida, Inagi, Hachoji, which are all part of Tokyo. Another Ghibli film that we are actually reviewing next week, Whispers of the Heart, mm-hmm. is set at the same location and shares some of the same environmentalist undertones, although environmentalism is not its main theme. Hmm. Last but not least, the train station, which appears in the film, is Seiseki Sakuragoka Station on the Keio Line in Tama City, Tokyo. All right. And- and for all the Japanese words that I just screwed up, <laughs> I ask forgiveness and my apologies. I am a stupid American who can't pronounce Japanese words all the time. I do my best. Very anyway, <laughs> what is your first like for this film? All right, my first like. Uh the overarching story, the fact to be like this movie has a, be like, it doesn't really, it doesn't really play around with the be like, we're going here. Then we're going to stop and go here. Stop going here. It has a very continuous storyline. And I really enjoy that. The fact to be like, it's, it's told like it's told like a documentary, uh, like a newsreel, uh, like, like a war documentary in a lot of ways that it tells the story with a narrator and at first, I found that really annoying, but as it went on, I found it more intriguing that you have this this interesting war between Tanuki, or as we call them, raccoons, and humans. Mm-hmm. And it's this continual, continual story that continues. There's little beats here where uh, I can't remember the character's name. But he goes off and tries to find. The uh, the transformation masters. No, there's two of them that went. Yeah, two. Yeah, they go there. The one that came back was uh, the first time. Mm -hmm. Was uh, I'll know his name when I see it. Mm -hmm. It was uh, Thomas Saburo. Thomas Saburo. Yeah, because be like that's interesting when they when they because obviously be like you're gonna have characters go off and try to find help or try to you know again go find these uh, transformation masters, which I found was quite hilarious this movie does have a, it's funny it's serious and it's lighthearted and funny but at the same time it's got this underpinning of like real like serious uh consequences and everything with Tanu- the with the tanuki being or tanuki or raccoons uh being very lazy and wanting just to chill and have snacks mm-hmm. where they have all these dire situations going on around them and it's more Yay, we got to be like, yay, we did something. Let's party. Yeah. That kind of thing. That was the, it kind of the, it had this great ebb and flow of, okay, we're going to take something serious and take a little bit of fun with it. And it's just that continuation of all, because the storytelling is amazing in this film. What I'm trying to get at with my number one, the storytelling is amazing. Okay. So, yeah. All that said, what's your number one? I like how this is told as a documentary. Yeah. As if it were a documentary. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I am curious, actually, right now to go back to the Japanese version mm-hmm. and see if the uh, if it's done the same way. Because 
since they never, they don't actually show the interview sections on screen. It almost feels like maybe that could have been, uh, an invention of the dub cast, but mm. I don't know that for certain. Okay. But, uh, I like the way it's handled. I, I, I enjoy this idea. Like this is a whole, uh, you know, we're going, we're going to go over a major events of this, mm. uh, time where the raccoons are trying to stop the development of their lands, trying to stop the destruction of their forests. Right. And how it's actively going and showing this and then going to this and explaining, uh, this is what's going on here. And then you'll get an, you'll get a voiceover narration from either the, the narrator or one of the other actors, you know, telling, this is what we were thinking at the time, like a documentary. Yeah. And I appreciated telling this like a documentary mm-hmm. because it made, for lack of a better term, it made the events feel more real, mm-hmm. despite the fact that we're talking about tanukis, <laughs> you know, raccoons who have transforming abilities. In a war against humans. Humans, after they decided not to fight each other anymore. Exactly. Which was a very funny scene. <laughs> oh, Yes. But uh, I, I enjoyed all, the, all the, the entire thing where it, it shows you from different points of view. There's not a central main character outside of, in reality, Shokichi, mm-hmm. which you don't realize really until the very end, other than he's, you know, he plays a very prominent role. And of course, he's the the uh, representative really of the youngest uh, group of Tanukis yeah. there. Yeah. But. Um, I like how we didn't stay on one event like too long. We said we sh- we showed this event, we gave this event what it needed to, and then we moved on to this other event mm-hmm. and allowed it to do what it needed to do, and then we moved on to this. When they kept doing that, leading all the way up to what they called Operation Spectre, yeah, which they show that and it's like okay, that's cool, and you even get the way they just handle the whole thing, even down to. Yeah, this didn't go out as well as we'd hoped. And right. now we got to tell what happened to this group of Tanuki who decided they wanted to dance the night away and go on a ship being piloted by a senile raccoon after nine, who's lived 999 years and finally turned senile. Mm-hmm. That's the, their words. Yep, uh, pretty much. And then it was it was just... And, and all this other stuff, it, it told the events. It did not... It was from the view of the Tanukis and it was promoting their general point of view, but it really didn't show, uh, it, it, it never really said, you know, the humans are the bad guys. It said, yeah, these are the things the humans had to do anyway. Mm-hmm. We just kind of got stuck in the middle and yeah, the humans didn't handle this right, but at least our, all our efforts did at least get them to slow down and do things slightly differently. It just was too late for our forest. Mm-hmm. But, I, I I enjoyed the way it told this whole story. It didn't really say anyone was in the wrong other than perhaps the development wasn't done correctly. Yeah. And keeping everything, you know, good for not just the humans, but the animals as all, also. Mm-hmm. Which, from the Tanuki's point of view, makes a lot of sense. Right. And admittedly, my personal beliefs, we shouldn't just, you know, completely destroy Greenlands just because we want... To develop the countryside to make it livable for hum- more livable for humans. Yeah, but then this is also coming from a guy who likes living in a rural neighborhood. So take that for what it's worth. Mm. Anyway, Jacob, your second like, please. My second like is the the non traditional outcome. The non traditional outcome. It's not. 
It's like, oh, you. I mean, like if you if you watched a handful of uh, Studio Ghibli films, like you're gonna find that not all of these films lit in like your typical Disney film. Mm-hmm. You'd be like the 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 princess doesn't get her her prince. Be like. Yeah, and yeah. usually if there is a happy ending, it's not the happy ending you would expect them to head towards at the beginning exactly. of the film. Exactly. And it's not always a happy ending. No, it's not. Definitely with this film. Especially with this director. Uh-huh. Exactly. You know, go- sometimes they outright lie to you throughout the whole film. That is true. I'm mostly talking about one film, but we yeah. won't get into that right now. Yes. <laughs> uh, go listen to our Ocean Waves episode. Exactly. Hear his rant about it. <laughs> That was good. Also, go back and listen to the other Aisao Takahata episode, Grave of the Fireflies, so you can hear his rant. Exactly. <laughs> and hear me get up and get a drink of water. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. So, go check out both those episodes. So either way, it's, you know, it has a very non-traditional ending where uh, the Tanuki or raccoon dogs don't be like, their their forest is not saved. It's demolished in order to create this new suburb of Tokyo. And uh, you have where, be like the Tanukis who could transform, transform and became part of society, or they died very violently, or some of them died violently, violently, very violently, and some of them just died of old age or went off into the sunset and died, uh, which was a very well when you join a death cult. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> that that was very disturbing. Um, and the fact would be like you have some of them went on to live lives and they. They kind of periodically meet up with each other. So you get a, you, you figure out what people are doing at the end of the film. It's not necessarily, mm-hmm. oh, everybody's happy and joyful and everything. No, it'd be like you have a very realistic story where not everybody gets their happy ending in the end. Not everything ends. In reality, like, it's not a happy ending. It's just it becomes an ending that people learn, can learn to live with. Yeah, have, have accepted and gr- have grown, grown, to- grown with and grown towards with and i just really enjoy that kind of storytelling where it's not the it's not the it's not the disney fairy tale ending yeah i, just, I really love the, those kind of stories where it just it's like like okay there's been life there's some lives lost there's been land loss be like but people are still around yes and i just i really enjoy that kind of storytelling. they survived just not in the way they thought they exactly might. yep that's my that's my number two what about you my second like is the goofiness of the raccoons. Oh, good night. Yes. Oh my word. The minute you think this is going to go one direction, all of a sudden it's like, nope. now we got to go another way because the raccoons are just going to be goofy as all get out. <laughs> oh, my, my favorite part of this is they're doing the memorial service for the, the, the transforming master who died during Operation Spectre. Oh my gosh. And they start off all this slow and says, we thank, you know, and doing this kind of Buddhist Shinto-esque mm-hmm. uh, memorial thing for him. And it starts off somber. It's like, we thank you, what, whatever your name is, for all this stuff. And they go on this, but, and this is, but now we're going to party! It's like, <laughs> he just died, like, two hours ago. Give yourself about two or three hours. And then one of my favorite parts, another one of my favorite parts is near the beginning where they decide um, they, they they need to f- keep tabs on the human world. So they go and find a junked Tele- out television, television, which had 
results they didn't expect. And that all the children wanted to watch television. (laughs) I'm going, no kidding. Oh, my gosh. All animals watch television. (laughs) Have have you watched a dog watch television? Exactly. (laughs) And then they 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 don't really point this out. But after the uh, after the dreamland uh, president takes credit for the parade. Uh Uh-huh. And they destroy the big TV out of frustration. The next scene, there's a small TV sitting on top of it. it. It's like, where'd y'all find that? (laughs) I hope that's got a... And and, and then you have the... This is just a small issue, but Mm -hmm. it's not really anything that's going to show up in dislikes. My thought is, where are you getting electricity for that? Exactly. But anyway. (laughs) Maybe it's the tanuki in the back on a a wheel. (laughs) It would nearly have to be. But uh, I mean the 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 entire the, the the goofiness the way these raccoons just would act. I, my another good one is when uh, they say after a whole year of fending off mating in order to keep oh, the population at bay, but by the second year it was a no hold. It, it, all everything was off the table. Yeah, and it's like yeah, I bet it was. Love is in the and, air, and you're watching, and it's like yeah, you see the kids do it. That makes sense. You see Shokichi and his new girlfriend, mm-hmm. you know, have some. You don't see them have fun. But yeah, it's but it's implied, implied that they had fun, especially yeah. in the next scene when they have three kids, <laughs> three little cubs. Yeah. <laughs> But then you also see it's the adults. It's the yeah. older crowd because uh, Oroku is having to fend off Gonta. <laughs> from, it's like, it's like, hey, get off. It's like, yeah, I'm going to play hard to get. You might, you might survive, but I'm playing hard to get. And I'm thinking, okay. I'm a... Yeah, anyway, I'm assuming they're not as old as they want me to think they are. Yeah, well... They're adults, but they're not adults. Yeah. They're like 20. Uh, and five. <laughs> 25. And While the others Tanuki are 20. Is, yeah, in Tanuki age. In Tanuki age. Yeah, and then you get the uh, the transforming masters the first time you see them. And they are in human form. Of a sort. <laughs> I don't know what they were supposed to... I, they looked like hippies. They they were characters out of the six out of the sixties. Yeah, and it's like, can you just imagine seeing these guys walking through modern day Japan, uh-huh. or really modern day any city? Yes. And then this is like you know they're walk they're bebopping through you know town, and all of a sudden they they're going through the construction site where they're building Tama Hills, and I'm sitting there going, are none of you construction workers noticing these five humans? There's four humans, four humans. three of which look like they. Just showed up out of an Austin Powers movie. <laughs> and you're not going to say anything about them walking through your construction site heading towards the forest. Mm. What the crap is going on? <laughs> uh, but the goofiness of the way the, 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 the raccoons act and the way their, their minds work is just funny to me. And yeah, that's why it's my second like. Anytime this film started to get dark... Mm-hmm. One of the raccoons would do something, and it's like, and I'm back into like back into enjoying myself because even though this is a very dark scene, <laughs> where got where um, the old Tanuki transformation master who has the must who has the obvious mustache, yes, even in Tanuki <laughs> form, 
is been brought in by the Kitsune and his five foxes ladies. <laughs> and obviously a cabaret. I'm assuming cabaret since this is 90s. Right. I'm not going There are other things it could be. I'm going cabaret. Yeah, let's go cabaret. It's a dance club. With, yeah. They're, they're just a little friendly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, oh, yes, they're foxes. And I'm thinking, yeah, they're foxes. <laughs> They don't even have to transform for me to know they're foxes. They're very foxy <laughs> ladies. And the thing was, when they showed the first guy, yeah. who was talk- when he was talking to the Wonderland president, my first thought is, oh, he's a fox. Oh, you yeah. know why? He looked like the fox from earlier in the film. <laughs> but he wasn't the same guy. He was still in his human face, but he had this long head with the very high-pitched eyes. Mm-hmm. It's that... It, it's like... You're a fox, aren't you? Are you working for Wonderland, or are you going to really confuse them? Oh, you're going to confuse them. Now, you do know what Wonderland is generally a copyright-free version of, when referred to in Japan, right? Disney World? It is, it is, it is Walt Disney World. Oh, okay. That means, for a time, Walt Disney produced a film, released a film, mm-hmm. where they called it Wonderland because they couldn't call it Disney in the original version. Yes. Even though it's supposed to be Disney. Uh, so I'm guessing, well, that couldn't have been Walt because this was the 90s. So was that supposed to be Michael Eisner? I presume. <laughs> it would have to be. Anyway, that's my second like. What's your third? <laughs> my third is exactly your second. It's just this, the, you have this, Tonal shift, you have scenes that are so like intense and dark, and then, like Drew said, Atsunuki does something goofy, yes. silly, like says something, just busting the laughter about something. It just it has this very nice tone to where it, it takes itself seriously, and then it goes off the walls crazy I with mean, how, how the Atsunukis act. The <laughs> only part of the film that really holds that somberness throughout the whole scene mm-hmm. is when the Dancing cult gets on the ship and fly and, and oh yeah goes all down the river and it's mm-hmm. like yeah that's a very depressing scene you really can't do anything that's going to lighten that mood a little no you can't and until I mean, like, the next scene it's like you immediately lighten the mood it's like okay. exactly <laughs> yeah it it's, it 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 holds that balance of be like okay we're gonna we're gonna tell you a really uh a, like a really dark story a really dark portion and then we're gonna bring you back more comedic side yeah so it doesn't keep you like doesn't keep you like gray with the fire of lies gray with the fire of lies we, we've reviewed <laughs> where that one just you know drags you through the mud for two hours yes or in my case i get really really mad uh so yeah it'd be like it has this very nice it's not one of these like extremely juxtapositions where it be like it's real serious and it keeps going keeps going then automatically it it pumps the brakes. It does something stupid or silly yeah. just to, you know, be funny. It actually, it transitions very well into from, you know, serious to comedy, serious yes. to comedy, serious to comedy. And I just love that transition that, mm-hmm. that again, storytelling in this movie where it gives you just enough of the seriousness and the sadness of what the situation is going on. And then you have the silliness and the quirkiness of the Tanuki or the raccoons. Mm-hmm. So that's my number. That's my number three. My third like 
are all the interesting transformations we see throughout this film. Oh, yeah. Oh. Some of them are yeah. not quite as good, but some of them are like, okay, that transition was, was good. Yeah, agreed. Especially uh, the ones where it's the group transformations, where each Tanuki is taking on a part of whatever the creature they're transforming into. Yeah. But how they creatively use those transformations is really one of the things I enjoy. Like uh, when uh, Shokuji and his girlfriend do that, uh, transform into those two little star children. Yeah. And scare the living daylights <laughs> out of those construction workers. Yes. By saying, where's our home? home? We just came back from the stars. Where's... We went to Neptune. <laughs> and then we went to Pluto. And then we came home and our home is gone. God. Where is it? It's like, well, we don't know. Maybe we can call your parents. And they just start crying. It's like, and everything goes to pot. Yes. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and then part of me is going, you know, if I were a human in there, I would just leave then. Yeah, I'd I'd find a payphone in the developed part of Tokyo. Call the boss that says you're on your own, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> but I ain't waiting for you to show Bye. up here so you can try to talk me out of it. I've, I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> but then you get to uh, all the weird stuff that happens in the uh, during the ghost per the the Operation Spectre parade. Oh yeah, and it's like all of those different forms. It's like. At one point, I had to stop and think, okay, how are they do? How many raccoons are involved in this? Because there's a ton of stuff going on, and we only ever see maybe, what, 30 raccoons total throughout the entire film? Roughly. Except we know there's still a bunch that are not there because they they leave on the dancing cult, and there's at least 30 of them, mm -hmm. not counting uh, the senile dude. So, I mean, I'm watching this and thinking, and it's it's like, I, I, I look at it and go, how are y'all doing all this? Maybe it's just because the transformation magic is supercharged because you mm -hmm. have everyone p pouring into it. And it's more like how they do the uh, the uh, unspoiled countryside illusion at the very end. Yeah. Where they're not really transforming into it. They're transforming everything else yeah. into it. And maybe that's what it is. But I, I, I just find it interesting that despite the fact they were scaring all these construction workers right. throughout the whole film, uh -huh. you get to Operation Spectre and you get to the normal people. And they're all like, and they're oh, like oh, cool, it's a parade. <laughs> Look, isn't this all amazing? And you get a couple people who are scared and then you get the drunks, one of them obviously Bender, <laughs> John DiMaggio, because yeah. he's doing his Bender voice. And it's like, and he's like drunk out of his gore. He says, yeah, I saw a monster the other day. <laughs> it's like, sure you did, buddy. Like you think you had a little too much. Yeah. And then uh, like Josh is bringing up here, uh, the faceless woman. Section, oh, that was so good. Especially when he goes into the seven 11. Yes. Or whatever that convenience store is supposed to be. And, uh, it's like, you going, did she look like, and they do the thing, make their face disappear like this. And then he just screams and runs out of there. It's like, it's well, ridiculous. Well, it's like I can, I can just imagine how scared that guy is. Oh yeah. By continuing to run into these same specters over and over again. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, I'm laughing my head off because I'm on the side of the Tanukis as a viewer. <laughs> right. And it's like, 
Oh, yeah, but this guy's just trying to live, have a normal day. Exactly. He's just trying to do his job, and they're scaring the living daylights out of him. Yeah. Because they're, because, anyway. They're, they're trying to uh, prevent their home from being destroyed, so they're doing everything right. they can, and it's being snooky, so they're going to be funny and goofy and weird yeah, and, and specters and, and ghosts. It, and it works, don't get me wrong, at least from a storytelling point of view. Yeah. But you have to imagine that this whole movie takes place, or the bulk of the movie, I should say, takes place over five years. Yeah. So you got all these stories. So you know these people had to move to town having seen the news. Oh, yeah. Of Especially the one where the you could actually see the raccoons pushing the front loader oh over the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> and you're and sitting there going... How did the cameras... Why is nobody talking about the fact you could actually see the raccoons doing it? Not the raccoons illusion. I'm talking about realistic drawing version of the raccoons pushing this thing over the cliff. And I'm and, and you could just see the workers going, we need to be done here. <laughs> I'm going home. I don't... It would be one thing to, to face a creepy, a creepy faceless woman... But actual raccoons fighting us? I think that means we're in the wrong here. I think so. Which which is the end of my likes. Because all those transformations, the way they did it, are just Agreed. so perfect. Agreed. Uh, you already said you're third, right? Yes, I okay, did. Okay, so we need to jump into our dislikes. And I, if, you, if it's all right. Go for it. I am going to go ahead and get rid of the elephant in the room. Or in this case, the raccoon in the room. Yes, the large, very large raccoon in the room. Uh, yeah. And his item that I wish was not in the movie, despite the fact, I don't know how you do a movie about tanukis and you stay relevant to the folklore and not bring up their pouches. pouches. Yeah. Look, call me a prude if you wish. I'll take it. I'm a bit of a prude. But... Couldn't you have found a way to handle this without showing their pouches like every five seconds? There's a point when you're watching this because they transform, they, their pouches transform too, of course. Yes. And sometimes they only transform their pouch. Yeah. Mm, and you're yeah. sitting there and you realize that they're at the, because sometimes they'll show the tanukis. Yeah. And they won't show the pouch yeah. down there. And they're just sitting there. And they're not supposed to be showing that's transformed. But sometimes you're looking at it and you realize from the direction they're sitting that the thing that's in front of them has to be their pouch. <laughs> and the one that made me cringe was when they were doing that initial fight and Shokichi is playing the part of the dead raccoon until you realize that his pouch is the bridge. Yeah. And ow. I'm sitting there going, ow! Jeez. A truck just ran over <laughs> your pouch. <laughs> I don't care how strong it is. That's gonna hurt. Ow. Yeah, ow. So but a part of it is is because I have, as I, I think this has come up before, I get sympathetic pains. Yeah. When I see somebody hurt, or I think I see somebody hurt, in a show, or I hear descriptions, I kind of get that feeling also. Mm -hmm. So there's many times throughout this, I has having to let, sit there with my legs crossed <laughs> because it's like, I know this is, 
at some point it just gets to the point of ridiculousness where it's yes. like it doesn't even affect you anymore. It's like, mm-hmm. of course, that's how these these raccoons are going to go out in their blaze of glory mm-hmm. by inflating their pouches to five times the size of the <laughs> raccoon and bouncing on them like bounce like those bit, super bouncy balls oh. things that you see in like preschools. You know the kind mm-hmm. of talk. Yeah, about? I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's oh, like Lord. at that point, it's like ridiculous. And you just go Agreed. with it. Agreed. <laughs> but at the same time, I will I will quote our good friend Josh from mm-hmm. earlier in this episode. I think before the episode actually went live in our live stream. Not before it went live, before we actually started the actual episode itself. Right. And he says, I hope I never have to see Raccoon Pouch ever again. <laughs> and you know what? <sighs> yes, I agree with this statement. Oh my gosh. And I recognize I have no idea how not, you would tell a story about Tanukis while you're being accurate to the folklore. Yeah. And you don't at least have to bring this up at one point. Because yes. it is a big part of their folklore. I mean, even Animal Crossing has an allusion to it with Tom Nook. Okay. That, that's a rated E game. Wow. And they have an allusion to it because he's always wearing an apron. Ah. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say. It's got a pocket. Yeah. Ow. Anyway. Yeah. Now that I've completely ruined Animal Crossing for all our viewers <laughs> and listeners. <laughs> oh, man. man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Let's move on to your first dislike. Okay. Yeah. So let, let's get the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, 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 the biggest problem at this film now gr- <laughs> now granted it's understanding culture and yeah and you know this is the japanese culture this is what they do american culture we're a little more sensitive about things we are thank you puritans yeah we we, we are a little more sensitive when it comes to things of a of a sexual nature exactly um the not as much to the violence not. Mm-hmm. not as much to the violence but yeah yeah, to, you know, towards in sexual nature. Yes. Uh, if you if you know anything about pure, you know, Puritans, be like, yeah, that's one of their big things. That definitely, le- that's definitely uh, become. It was a huge thing with America mm-hmm. for decades and decades, and uh, but it's it still is in some ways. Um, but just the the idea of a using the you know the quote unquote pouch as this magical item that can transform you into anything is, is, is very, is disturbing. Definitely coming from an American perspective. And the, the scene that got me when you, when you realize what's really going on. (laughs) Yeah. What's really going on. Because the English dub, it only barely mentions the fact that the pouches even do stuff. Uh Uh-huh. It's just, you get to that scene where there's that's exactly what they're talking about and mm-hmm. exactly what they're showing. Yeah. So you have to at least explain about the male pouch. Yeah, exactly. And then the rest of the time you might hear them say pouch to describe something, but they never really stay on it long enough for, for you to know what they're talking about unless you're mm-hmm. paying real close attention. Yeah. Until sometimes, like I said, you're looking at something and you realize... Oh, oh, that's what that is. Okay. So the scene in question I'm talking about is where the, the elder Tanuki is talking with the, the younger male Tanukis Uh and uh, you see them sitting on this very large red 
Carpet. Carpet. So if you watch the film already, you know what I'm talking about. That's the about. scene I'm referring to. Yeah. Is, is this the exactly. one scene they really have to tell you what's yeah, happening? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you want to know the secret? You want to know this big secret? You're sitting on it. Yeah. I'm like, good, good. Okay. That's utterly disturbing. Definitely but, being but a guy. But uh, strangely enough, the girl, some of the girl, many of the girl Tanukis can transform too. Yes. Despite them not having pouches. Exactly. How does that work? I don't know. <laughs> I really, really don't want to know. No. I already but. know more about Tanukis than I want to know. <laughs> I, At least in the mythological sense. Yeah, my, my again... Going back to my understanding of Tanuki's, I think Tanuki suit from Super Mario Brothers. Yes, I think that's most Americans' exactly uh, understanding. Experience. So now that's, you know that's where we can't heard, first heard the word Tanuki yeah. was with Tanuki Mario. Yeah, and so you now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> yeah, cringy a little bit. Uh, there again, that's going to be from an American perspective onto uh, another culture, which we don't qu- we understand, but we don't understand all of the culture it's not because there, there 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 will be some people it's like well you should know everything about every all the culture because you're being insignificant you're being uh disrespectful towards the culture it's like no we don't know everything about everybody else's culture be like yeah we learn about it and we respect that and but then there's something we don't understand we look it up exactly so it's it's understanding culture and okay, that's a be like, and understanding the culture, it's a little weird to me. The culture get the be like that culture, you're gonna respect it, but at the same time, it's like, okay, that's a little weird. Like, probably it's some, part some, of it's part of their folklore. I mean, exactly, it's it, it's like Babe and the Blue Ox around here, mm-hmm. except exactly. not quite, but you not know what quite. I mean, yeah, maybe more like the uh, jackalope, yeah, exactly. Because some, some cultures might look at American culture as like, man, that's weird. Why do yeah. you do that? <laughs> So it's a rabbit it's, with antlers. Yeah, rabbit with antlers. Weird, right? And supposedly it has a feather on the back end because it's also part bird. Oh. Anyway. Anyways. So yeah, that's my number one of the pouches issue. Yeah, I, I love how we had the same thing. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> we both had to get it out of the way. Um, my second dislike. The English dub does n- does the nursery rhymes absolutely no favors. <laughs> they tried so hard to have the little you know the, the little nursery rhymes that pop up throughout the film mm-hmm. actually still rhyme even though it's been translated from Japanese into English. And they don't quite work. <laughs> Cuz sometimes they start going off into these little stories about especially the one about the hunter who kills the raccoon and you're hearing this from one of the raccoons, mm-hmm. they go, yeah, my dad was killed by a hunter once. And I'm mm-hmm. going, okay, and you're still singing the song? You're you're a better girl, you're a better person than I am. What's your face? I can't think of her name. Shokichi's girlfriend. Yeah. Um, good good on you. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, uh, some, of the, some of the rhyming just didn't work. It was convoluted. I mean... I can see how the way the melody goes, like the the main one, the Mr. Raccoon, Mr. Raccoon, mm-hmm. won't you play with me somehow? No, I can't. I have to study now. I think yeah. that's how it went in the English yeah. version. Mm-hmm. I can see how that might work better with uh, Tanuki-san, Tanuki-san. Yeah. 
I can see how it would work better that way. I'm assuming that's what it is. I haven't listened to the Japanese version yet. Mm. But it's like, I can see how it would work better that way. But right. in English, it does not work. <laughs> it is not line up. They tried so hard, but it doesn't. It is, yeah. it, it's, you can tell it's stilted and doesn't exactly work. It's something I wish they... I almost wish they'd have just said it in Japanese and then trans somehow found a way to translate it later on if mm. it needed to be. Yeah. But going straight English on that translation just did not work. Yeah, but that's my number two dislike. What's your number two? Uh, my number two is what I'm calling unresolved plot threats. Okay. Well, when I was reading the summary, because you actually brought some of this up earlier. I did. And you brought up the, uh, when they're talking to the news reporter, how that's mm. a dropped thread. Yeah. I, when I was reading through that, I realized they didn't drop it. They just kind of barely mentioned how it had an effect, but it was too late for the forest. Yeah, exactly. So, sorry. So, they're, I mean, like, yeah, it's just, like, yes, it is brought up. Be like, because the ending in this movie is very sad. Uh, the, like, the, the, the efforts which the Tanuki are raccoons have tried over the years to uh, affect change, yeah. either through violence or trickery, to uh, have their forest remain as it is. That doesn't work in the end. And uh, the idea that they are so desperate, they call, they they contact a new, contact the the media in order to get this interview with them. Yeah. But and yet they won't go out and talk to they them. They won't go talk to them because it's they're trained to never transform in front of the humans. They should men must not learn our secret. Then why'd you call them out here to show them your secret, right? Mm -hmm. They transform in front of them, but at the same time you're sitting back there going, they can't do that because we've never heard of an actual Tanuki transforming in the real world. Exactly. And at the end of this movie, even though it is a fi totally fictional account, mm -hmm. they can't actually show them transform Form. in front of it even though it would be on camera the only time you see any transformation on camera is like oh the footage no longer works why does the footage no longer work <laughs> anyway sorry but yeah it's just the uh when when that scene came up and my my first reaction was like after watching the film it was like that's un it's unresolved it's unresolved but when I'm later it's resolved but it's not it doesn't really affect anything in the story. Yeah. It'd be like, to me, it's like, okay, you had all these Sanukis transform, but like Drew said before, it really, by that point, it's already too late. Things are already in motion. Things are not going to change for the Nuki. And, uh, it's well, like the construction was already done. The construction was, I'd done. love to know what operation specter would have changed. Yeah. Most exactly. of the construction is done by the time that happens. Yeah, Exactly. Oh, there's another one. There's another one. The the idea of they they transform the 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 masters are telling if you transform into these these horrendous beasts and creatures that the people will fear you. The people will fear you. They'll even worship you in some cases. Mm -hmm. Where they do it, nothing. Everyone thinks it's a prank. Yeah, everyone thinks it's a prank, and especially when Wonderland president comes out and says oh yeah we mm -hmm. did it so that people would uh come to our park once it's built yeah okay yeah it's just, it's just those little things where there again it's not really a a dropped plot it's, thread it's just brought up and then it's 
a short thing. It's like, yeah, this is the event that occurred, but it's not important to the yeah, story. We got to continue no moving on. Yeah, it's no longer but we, important. But we have we had to say what happened because what what effect mm-hmm. the parade had, even though exactly. it wasn't much effect. Yeah, we still got to go to the fact that yeah, everything's not going good for the raccoons. Yeah, yeah, like everything everything they do means at ultimately at the end means nothing. Yes, they eventually just have to. Give the ones up. who can transform have to go on being humans mm-hmm. in order to survive, and the ones who can't transform have to be wild Perfect. animals. Yeah, in order to survive. Exactly. So there again, it's just. So the next time you go and take trash out to the dumpster after dark, and you see that raccoon looking at you, just say hi and go about your business. Is, like, hey, can you transform for a second? Thanks. Like that. Yes, that'd, let, be, let me, that'd be nice. Let, let me pull up my phone. Let, transform for a second. Yeah. Thank you very much. You can transform into whatever you want. You could be a human. It could be a faceless lady. I saw the movie. I'm right there with you. Yeah. I can't do anything about it, but good on you. Now, granted, we're talking to an American raccoon. <laughs> you never know. Exactly. What was the raccoon's name from uh, Pocahontas? <laughs> you know how long it's been since I've seen Pocahontas? That's true. <laughs> I don't remember any of the characters' names but Pocahontas and John Smith. Ah. Either way. Either way. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a plot thread, but it's or it's it's a plot thread that's really well done, but it's like it's already too late. Or everything is already too late for this film, or for our characters. And so, yeah, they, they wind up having to either... A, live as a human, or B, is live as a wild animal. And it's just sad. This would be an interesting, strange plot thread for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. For Rocket. Okay. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Unless the the Kree, <laughs> or uh, I think it's the Kree that, uh, that experimented on him somehow took away his transformation abilities. That would be interesting. Anyway. <laughs> and plus, he's not really a raccoon. Yes, he is. Oh, yeah, that is true. He, <laughs> he is he, actually a raccoon. He is a raccoon. He doesn't think he's a raccoon. He's like a what? A what? Trash panda. Trash panda. Is that worse? It's way worse. <laughs> <laughs> Either way. So that's my that's my second dislike. What's yours? My third dislike is that the reveal that the narrator this whole time is actually Shokichi is botched. Okay. That reveal happens in like one sentence. It starts off with Shokichi talking and then it's like it merges into yeah, okay, the narrator yeah. the whole time. And I'm sitting there going, Y'all, I, I've seen this before where the narrator is revealed to be a certain person throughout the film. Yeah. That you've gotten to know, and it's like, okay, that this is how his life went, and he's now just yeah. telling the story for uh for everybody. But I, in this moment, in this moment, it doesn't work. Because I'm sitting there going, y'all, y'all botched this, how y'all handled this. Y'all, y- there should have been a better way to transition between the word. It's like it, you had like a whole, like two or three sentences that were, you know, Shokichi slash narrator's lines that they could have spread this out over. Yeah. And they get it all done in the first sentence. It's like... Uh, y'all could handle that better. Y'all could handle that a lot better. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Also, hearing Randy from Home Improvement turning into the brain is really weird. Or Simba. Oh, hearing Simba turn into the brain, it's like you're wrecking my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of weird. I'd be like, you know, like 
like you're saying there, like maybe I didn't catch it watching it. And I was like, what in the world just happened? Yeah. It that almost, that, that it makes more sense like, now. It still makes us it almost beyond sounds bizarre. Like they messed up. Yeah, it does. That's the what way, I, that's the way what I was it's thinking. handled. Yeah, but they didn't. It's just they handled the transition wrong to tell you, oh, the narrator this whole time has been Shokuji. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I've seen them. I've seen people do this before. Yeah, and it's done so much better in so many other movies. I can't tell you which ones right off the top mm-hmm. of my head right now, but I know I've seen it done a lot better than this. Mm-hmm. And they just they just didn't do it well here. And that's anyway. What is your third dislike? My third dislike. It's really just more of a nitpick, and uh, it's the um, the parade into death. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to call it that. The death into the parade into death. The sh- the, the ship into the into the sea. Yeah, exactly. The death right? cult. Yes. The death cult. Oh my word! That that I I don't understand the point. Of that scene. I'd be I it's under I'd be like looking at it from a story perspective wise, you have a uh, a group, a culture that is literally been pushed to the point that they no longer have hope, and you have those who just want things to end. Just like in like there's a lot of people in Christianity who are Christians, professing Christians, who just want Christ to return because life is miserable or life isn't going the way they want it. Or they, they feel that life is no longer worth living, so they either A, want, want to end their life, aka, don't do that. Yes. <laughs> or, I, I, or, I, or they just want Christ to return yeah. in order for their, their, aka, their miserable life will end. See, and here's the thing about that thing. I get why, because it's the non-transforming yeah, the non, Tanukis. Yes that get on the ship and follow senile yeah, old Tanuki it's, it's, out it's, into the middle of the ocean. Yeah. It's the idea that they get, they gave up on life. I, and I get that because they feel like there's no way they can survive in the current world. I disagree with that because we see plenty of raccoons surviving. Yes. That can't transform at the end of yeah. this movie. And plus we live in East Texas. Raccoons thrive. In exactly. Here. Have, have you seen about a trash can? Yeah. <laughs> The raccoons will be fine. They don't have to give up on life yeah. and get on a ship and travel out into the middle of Tokyo Bay to somehow disappear. And yeah, exactly. So yeah, the be like that was just it was very depressing to see that is that be like they literally gave up on life. Yeah, because they, they they saw no hope in life, so they they followed their their crazed master into the afterlife. So there again, if you are struggling with depression, Duh, like we always yeah. be like, talk to somebody either, either call the, the, uh, the suicide hotline. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Call them call. If you're a, a confessed Christian, like we are talk to your pastor, pray about it. Talk to a fellow believer about yeah. it. Don't be silent about it. Talk to people about it. Cause we don't want you to go through with that because I'd be like, I've known people if, who have done it. Many people have. If not, so, yeah. Yeah. If, if nothing else, Go listen to the Victims and Villains podcast. That is all about that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Talk to and get involved with that community. Yeah, that's Talk really that's my that's my opinion there. And also, if you if it's really bad, there is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Yeah. Give that a call. Yeah. Do not let yourself get in a situation where you feel that's the only thing you can exactly. Do. There's there's always a way. There's always a way out. So that's that's just our advice in that. So with. With my third li- third dislike is very much how 
the characters just give up. Yeah. The characters give up on life and go out just parting part, you know, parting on this barge with their, with their crazy master to the, mm-hmm. to the, to the afterlife. And it's just, it's really sad. It's really sad that you just simply just give up on life. It's just really sad seeing characters give up on life so easily. And you see towards the end of the film, uh, raccoons who cannot transform are living a life, maybe not the comfortable life they were living, but they are thriving. So yeah, don't give up on life. That's all I'm saying. As I'm playing, praying and begging you, if you are struggling with that, please contact somebody. Okay. So we have reached the end of the review. We yes. need to rate this thing. Yes. Jacob, what is your rating? My or rating. Pom Poco. Pom Poco. Uh, I am giving it an 8.5. Bill, I really enjoyed the film. It's got, it's really strong story wise. You have this nice balance of lights and dark, light and dark storytelling. Uh, you have compelling characters, uh, cultural things standing between the two cultures, American and the Japanese culture, definitely with the folklore, with the, uh, the pouches, mm-hmm. uh, with all that said, definitely with the, uh, the writing off in the sunset scene, which really disturbed me. Yeah. Um, I'd be like, it's still a stellar film. It's really well done. Again, it's studio Ghibli. And even though I'm not a fan of two of his, his previous works, I saw Takahata. Yeah. What he said. Uh, I'm assuming I'm saying it right. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully he's saying it right. If we are saying it wrong, we apologize. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, be like 8.5. I find this movie incredibly well done. Uh, would I probably, I'll probably watch in the future. I'm not going to go like some films. I've got to watch that as soon as I get done with this. Mm-hmm. It's one of those films to be like, I'll probably watch. Maybe like every, I don't know. Every once in a while. Every once in a while. It's not every fun. year, but every not, once in a while. Not every year. It's, it's, it's not a back to the future for me. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. 8.5. Drew? I'm giving it an 8. Uh, it's okay. a very well-made film. Um, most of the dislikes I brought up are just nitpicks for the most part. Mm-hmm. With one exception, and I think you know which one. Uh, Understood. <laughs> but you know that one, for the most part, while you're in the... The the while you're in the midst of the story, while you're in the flow, it doesn't really mess with me too much. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm giving it an eight because it's kind of just this cool little documentary about a raccoon war mm-hmm. in the middle of suburbia, Tokyo, Japan. Yeah, in the nineties, mm-hmm. who knew that there was a, t- a raccoon war in the nineties <laughs> in Japan? Exactly. I missed that in the news. <laughs> Apparently a lot of people did. Yeah. <laughs> Which brings us to the end of this episode. Yes. Last week, I brought up a trivia question that I hoped that somebody, anybody would have commented <laughs> on in our trivia question or a trivia question. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, nobody did. So I'm going to go ahead and give you all the answers. Go for there it. There were two answers to this question. All right. So the question was, what was released on November 5th, 2004, that is generally considered the last major production in the U.S. using blank 
prior to the video game Cuphead. I'm going to give you one last shot at this. First off, what is the th thing that stopped being used with this thing prior to Cuphead? Do you even know what Cuphead is? Yeah, it's a video game. Okay. It's it's done with traditional uh, cell animation. Ding! That's mm -hmm. the word I'm coming up for. Cell yeah. animation. Yeah. What the, So let me reread this question with that answer there. What was released on November 5th, 2004, that's generally considered the last major production in the U.S. using cell animation prior to the video game Cuphead? Mm. And I'm going to give you one other hint, because I actually gave everybody a hint in the post. Ed and Eddie. Yes, a specific episode of Ed, Ed and Eddie at the end of season four. Okay, I have no idea. They were the last production, and, and this was actually considered the original season finale. I can't remember the name of the episode right now, because yeah. that was last week. <laughs> and I never had to double check my answer. Uh, and I didn't think about it until just now. But yeah, uh, the fourth season finale, which was originally the series finale of Ed, Ed, and Eddie, was the last cell animated production made in the United States. Really? Yeah. There was a couple things in Japan, like uh, Ponyo, which is another Miyazaki thing we'll cover later on, mm -hmm. does technically use cell animation. Okay. But, yeah, for the most part, that was the last thing they actually used it. Everything was digital after that point. Okay. Interesting. Anyway, since that didn't go anywhere, I probably won't do a trivia question ever again, but we'll see. <laughs> I may change my mind later. Well, I would, I would... I may have gone a little too hard with this one, I'll admit. Yeah, I would encourage you to continue to do it. Just to, you know, get the audience to even get more involved maybe, with it. Maybe start with something a little easier next time. Exactly. But anyway. That Challenge your minds a little that bit. That does bring us to the end, once again, of this episode. Next week, we are doing, I believe, I, I said this earlier, but I want to double check here. We are reviewing the next episode of our Miyazaki and Ghibli Month, Whispers of the Heart. Mm -hmm. I've never seen this film. I've seen it one time. It's interesting. Yeah. It has an allusion to a song I'm fairly certain you know. Okay. But we'll have to wait on that till next time. Okay. Can't wait. So uh, in the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we will catch you in the next frame. Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast. Oh, boy. So where can they find you, Jacob? You can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. Also on Facebook at Jacob Daily Art Corner, where I try to draw each and every day. I don't get to it as often as I like, but uh, join me there. Also, you can find me on Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. On Twitter at Jacob Heron. And Letterboxd at Jacob Heron. So where can they find you, Drew? You can also follow me on Letterboxd at GGeorge759. Facebook as Drew Dodgen. Uh, my Facebook page, where you can see pictures I've taken at Drew's Photo Bin. You can also follow me on Twitter at GGeorge759. You can email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cast underscore cell. You can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thecellcastgaming. You can also follow us on YouTube at Cellcast. Listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and your favorite podcast directory. 
You can also listen to us on the Movie of the Week podcast with Jim Heron, where we talk about live-action movies. And remember, Cell is a single L. L.